Today's part two in the new sermon series we launched last week on identity crisis, and I was glad that we sang that song about Hello, My Name Is. I'm glad Randy knew his name, um, and that we would all know our name, who we are, child of the, of the true king. And so we want to be talking about who we are as children of God and, and um, what identity in Christ really means for us and some of the issues that we deal with in our relationship with God. Uh, last week we talked about security. Security is a very important concern in our culture and society today in a variety of ways. But we talked about the most important one of all, and that's about our eternal security of our salvation. And we saw from John 10 that Jesus taught us very clearly that when we are saved, we're in the hand of God, we're in the hand of Christ, and nothing, no power on earth, no power below or beneath or anywhere can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, today I want us to deal with another issue that I think uh, I think is a, is a relevant issue that deals with uh, our living our life to the abundance uh, as a believer and in Jesus Christ and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that's the issue of living under the fear of condemnation. So when we talk about condemnation, what are we really talking about? And we're really talking about the fear of being judged and found guilty. And that means that we would be unfit and unworthy of God's love and the blessings that He has for us both now uh, and in the future. So why do we fear condemnation? Uh, I think it's because we all have issues from the past uh, that bug us, that haunt us, that we carry around with us. It's like having baggage. You know, it, it, the, one of the big issues about traveling is not just the safety stuff and the security checks you have to go through, but it's also the issue about baggage. Are we going to check our bags? Are we going to try to carry it on? If we carry it on, you know, you got to have it where it meets certain requirements and it can't be over a certain weight and you got to have uh, medicines and other liquid stuff in certain containers and all those kinds of things. If you check it, then you got to be concerned about, well, is it going to get there? To when I get wherever we're going, is my bag going to be there? You know, it's just sometimes a hassle dealing with your baggage. That's the biggest issue about traveling to me in, in, in various ways. Well, we all carry around with us a lot of other baggage that we have, things from the past, issues from the past. And it's just like having to having to deal with that baggage. Is it going to be taken care of? Is it going to be handled correctly? Uh, what are the mistakes that I've made, the stupid things I've done? If I hurt other people, what kind of sins are there in the past? And you see, when we start thinking about that baggage, then we open up our mind, we open up our soul, we open up our entire being for Satan to come in and play those mind games with us. We know that Satan always wants to deceive us and to destroy us. But he also has a desire that he just wants to, to, he wants to get us so defeated in our relationship with Christ that we forget who we are. And so he'll come to us at some of the vulnerable times in our life when we're dealing maybe with some of the issues from the past. And he'll put those thoughts about condemnation and the fear of judgment in our minds. He might say something like this, you know, God is against you. He's really not for you. How can you believe that he is for you when you see the things that are happening in your life? See, that's one of the ways that Satan deals with us. Then he might come back and he'll say, look, I've got accusations that I will bring against you because of your sins. And what can you say in your defense? And we all know that there are things that he can bring up, that we have these issues in our past. Or he might come and whisper to us at certain times, you can say you're forgiven, but the reality is 
there's going to be a day of judgment coming, a condemnation day, and how will you defend yourself then? Or you might say to us, given your track record, what hope is there that you will persevere to the end? You see, the reason that Satan's words discourage us and lead us to that fear of condemnation is that we live in a fallen, sinful world and we deal with constant struggles in our life with sin. And that battle continues to rage. Well, fortunately, we're not the only ones who have done that. We're not the only ones who will do that in the future. But we have words of Scripture from God's Word that help us with that. I want you to look with me before we get to the Romans 8 passage today. Look at Romans 7. Whether you use your Bible or look at the screen or or Bible app, whatever you might have. Listen to what Paul is saying here in chapter 7 before he comes to talk in chapter 8 about no condemnation. He says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. See, Paul struggles there. And it's a struggle that he's honestly and openly confessing. His struggle reminds us that our life here is a struggle against sin and our sinful nature. And the reality is that we're constantly being tested. And most of the time I think we feel like we fail the test. And then that makes us feel like we are a disappointment to God. And when we fail the test and we're a disappointment to God, then we logically are going to feel like we're subject to condemnation and judgment and punishment that will come our way. And that's all part of the struggle in our spiritual progress. And so here's some things I think we need to understand about that. See, the tests that God allows to come into our life are not to destroy us, but they are to reveal the weaknesses in our life so that we will learn more and more how much we need to depend upon God. That's why the tests come into our life. Another thing to remember is that we're not always the best judge of how well we do on a test. It might be like in school. Sometimes you walk out of, out of a test and you think you aced it and then you get it back and you didn't. Sometimes you walk out of there and you think, boy, I blew that. And you get, and you get a grade that's not as bad as you thought you were going to get. Oftentimes we go through a test and we think, I blew it. And God says, well, you know, you didn't, really didn't do as bad as you could have. So that's another part of that. And then we got to remember that life is always a mixture of success and failure. We're going to have highs. We're going to have lows. We're going to be uh, victorious in certain times over sin. Sometimes we're going to slip and we're going to fall into sin. So all of that leads us to talk about the fact then that we need to make sure we understand as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that there is now no condemnation in our life. We are not subject to judgment again because of our sin. Now, how can we rest assured in that? Well, that leads us to our text. Look at Romans 8, and we'll read verses 1 through 4. Paul's writing about life in the Spirit, and he's writing to us about the fact that we are free from condemnation. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You might want to write that down, underscore it, circle it. 
Tell yourself over and over again. Make a card, a memory card. Put it where you see it every day. Put it on a sticky note on your mirror. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. So he didn't condemn us. He condemned what? Sin. In order that the righteous requirements of the law, that's God's requirements of the law, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now, they're great words. They're good words that we need to hear and understand. And they encourage us to live without fear of judgment and condemnation. Why can we claim that today? As a child of God, how can we be clear in our identity that we are no longer under the threat of judgment and condemnation? Let me give you two Reasons. First of all, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are free from condemnation. That, that's what Paul is writing about. That's what he's reminding us of. That's the therefore. That through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are free from condemnation. It's interesting that chapter 8 begins with the word therefore. Every time you see that word in Scripture, you need to circle it and try to understand what is that word therefore. It's therefore here because it relates to everything else that Paul has said so far in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is basically Paul's book of theology, and it's, it's very intense. Uh, and, and chapter 8 is one of the most powerful chapters that we find because it talks about these issues about being in Christ and no condemnation. And like last week when we talked about security, we went to chapter 8 and we heard him talk about the fact that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So chapter 8 is very powerful. And when we look at the therefores, we've got to look at a lot of scripture that he references before he gets here to chapter 8. So you'll see them on the screen as we run through these things. In Romans 1.21 he says, For even though they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Because of that, there's condemnation. Verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's condemnation, that God's wrath is revealed against unrighteousness. Then you go to chapter 2, look at verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. All who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. That's condemnation. What about those who receive the law? All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. That's condemnation. We know Romans 3.23 that tells, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's condemnation, and we're all guilty of that. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, There's that word therefore again. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through him, and so death spread to all men because all sin. That's condemnation. Romans 6.23 tells us the result of that. The wages of sin is death. 
That's condemnation. And then after all this talk about condemnation, Paul says, and we read it a few moments ago in chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? He's talking about condemnation. But fortunately, praise God, we go to chapter 8, and he begins by saying, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, he goes from condemnation, 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 judgment, death, punishment, to then saying, there is therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, went to the cross and was crucified in our place. He took our place. He took our sin upon himself. He took what Paul says is the judgment that met the righteous demands of God. He did that so that you and I would not be condemned, so that we wouldn't have to go through that kind of judgment. It's so powerful when you look at the Greek language. The emphasis is on the negative, no. And that the Greek language really starts that verse by saying, Instead of, therefore, there is now no condemnation, it literally reads, no condemnation, therefore, for those who are in Christ Jesus. The good news of that is, regardless of who you are, what you've done, what's in the past, there is no condemnation on you because of that. You see, we have a new position in Christ. That means that we are forgiven and we are justified. So when we come to Christ, we receive a new life. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us. And I, I love this verse. It's part of, my, part of my life verses. So for God made him who had no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. See, that, that's so powerful. That, that God made Jesus Christ, who was perfect in every way, had no sin in his life, made him become sin on our behalf so that we, on the other hand, could become the righteousness of God in Christ. That means we're justified. There's no record of our sin. God doesn't look at us anymore and sees us as sinful, but he looks at us and sees us righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. It means that it's just like we have never, ever sinned that there's no record of any sin in our life. Now, I've read this story in various ways. Some say it's very authentic. I haven't been able to get verification that it's either true or not true. But the story, I think, is pretty neat. I, I think it's a good illustration of this point. But it's about a man that lived in England, and evidently he was very wealthy because he had a Rolls Royce. And he was going to come to the United States to spend several months and stay at a certain resort. And he not only wanted to come over here and spend that time at the resort, but he also wanted his Rolls Royce that he had in England to be over here with him and, and travel. Nothing else would, would do for his travel, but he wanted his Rolls Royce here. So he made arrangements to get his Rolls Royce shipped over here to the United States. Somewhere in that process of living here and enjoying his time here, he had some kind of little minor mechanical issue with his Rolls Royce. So he contacted Rolls Royce back in England. They sent a mechanic over, flew him over, brought him with the parts. He went into uh, the parking lot there at the resort, uh, worked on the Rolls Royce, had it fixed within the, in the day's time, 
flew back and was back in England. The man stayed here. He finished out his time here in the United States, enjoyed his time with his Rolls Royce. When it was time for him to go back to England, he did, and he shipped his Rolls Royce. Well, when he got back over and he got settled into his routine, he realized, you know, the Rolls Royce company sent that mechanic all the way to the United States to fix my car, and I haven't gotten a bill from them yet. So he contacted the Rolls Royce company, and he said to them, you know, you came over here, you fixed my car, um, whatever, the, whatever I owe you, give me a bill and let me pay it. This is the letter, a portion of, that he received back from the Rolls Royce company, which simply said, in the files at the headquarters of Rolls Royce, there is no such account saying anything has ever been wrong with a Rolls Royce anywhere. That is a picture of justification. When God looks at us, there's no condemnation in our life because we are righteous in His sight and there is no record of our sin. Do you understand the significance of that? And it's all because of what Jesus did for us. Dying on the cross in our place. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. When Satan whispers all those things in your mind, and you would begin to start to fear punishment and judgment and condemnation, whisper back to him or shout back to him and say, there's no record of my sin. I don't have to fear condemnation. I am justified in the sight of God through the death of Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation. Now, here's the second reason you don't have to fear condemnation. And that is, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we experience the reality of redemption. We experience the reality of redemption. Look at verse 2, Romans 8, 2 says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the operation of sin and the death that it brings into our life spiritually. But he's reminding us of our identity. And he's saying that in Christ, we no longer live under that operation of sin and death. We're free from that condemnation. We've been set free through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He explains that in verses 3 through 4. He says, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin. Catch that now. He condemned sin in sinful man, not condemned sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. That's why we live without fear of condemnation. The righteous demands of the law have been met through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say, who did not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. He says what the law could not do. What is it that the law cannot do? 
talking about the, the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. It can't make you perfect. It only reveals how imperfect we are. It can't make you holy. It only reveals how unholy you are. It can't make you righteous. It only reveals how unrighteous you are. See, the law can't save you from condemnation because it condemns you. You know, Paul said, I never would have known what sin was if it wasn't for the law. So the law condemns us, convicts us. But praise God, Paul says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. What did God do? He paid the price for our sin so that we wouldn't be under condemnation. He condemned his son Jesus Christ to the cross. He made him sin on our behalf so that we could come, become righteous. God condemned our sin, not us who were sinful. And why would Jesus do that? Why would he go to the cross and suffer all that humiliation and pain and ridicule? Why would he become tortured by sin, becoming sin, separated from God the Father? It's because God loves you. And because God loves you, Jesus loves you, and he was obedient to the will of the Father, and it was love that drove him to the cross. And he died on the cross in love so that you and I would never have to experience the judgment for our sins if we repent of our sins, confess Christ as Savior, and commit our life to him. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ, when we experience the reality of the new life in Jesus Christ. We're born again. We experience the reality of redemption, that we are not under the law. We are not under condemnation. We are under grace. And there is no condemnation in our life now. So if we understand that clearly about our identity, then there's got to be an application in our life. How are you going to live as a child of God? What difference will this make in your life if you don't have that condemnation hanging over your head like a black cloud, like baggage you've got to drag along with you, like a ball and chain on your anchor, on your ankle? Here it is. When, when you're free from condemnation, here are three things that I think should be significant for you in your Christian life. Number one, you're free from the power of sin. We know that sin is powerful. We know that sin is powerful. But when you live in the reality of redemption, you can be free from the power of sin. Every time I, I, I get on a plane or, or I see one coming over, you know, it, it, it just, I, I just marvel at the fact that how does this thing that weighs so much defy gravity and get in the air? Well, you see, when it has enough power behind it and the force, the law of aerodynamics comes into play, then that, that, that jet is able to break the law of gravity and, and it's able to be airborne and take off and fly. Well, think about that power of sin in your life, like the pull of gravity on that airplane. There is the power in our life through God's will and through the freedom that he gives to us as believers in Christ, that we can deal with the power of sin in our life and we can overcome that because we're a child of God. And Paul says in Romans 8 too, because through Christ Jesus, 
the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. That means we have the power of the spirit of God in our life allowing us to be free from the power of sin. That's good news. That's good news for every day of our life. Then here's the second reality. We are free from the penalty of sin. You see, that's what it means that there's no condemnation for us. We don't have to live in fear of punishment and being guilty of our sins. Even though the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, you've got to remember that God paid the price for those sins through Jesus Christ. Remember Romans 3, 23 and 24 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. In Romans 5, 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath him. You see, what, what all this means about no condemnation means that God judged sin guilty on the cross, not us, and set us free. Jesus was judged in our place, and we don't have to be judged. There's a, there's a term in our legal system, double jeopardy. It's not the second part of my favorite game show, Double Jeopardy on the Jeopardy show. But fortunately, it is a procedural defense that prevents an accused person forever being tried for the same crime that he or she had been put on trial for with the same evidence and they were acquitted of that trial. You can't be tried for that again. That's Double Jeopardy. That's what no condemnation means. Your sin has been judged and you have been deemed righteous in the sight of God and you won't be judged for that sin. That's God's legal double jeopardy. Therefore, you are free from the penalty of sin. And then thirdly, you are free from the poverty of sin. You see, if you live under that fear of condemnation, then you live in spiritual poverty. When in reality, the Spirit of God lives within us and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8, 3, and 4, For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to to the Spirit. If you're a child of God, you shouldn't live in spiritual poverty, but you should be energized by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. No condemnation means you are free from the power of sin, you're free from the condemnation of sin, and you no longer are guilty and you no longer face judgment and punishment for your sin. That's the good news as a child of God. And as a believer, as a Christ follower, as a, as a Christian, you need to remember that. That there is no condemnation now. Because Jesus Christ paid the price. He judged sin. 
It satisfied God's righteous demands. And you are free, set free from any condemnation. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to live under that fear. So here's the good news for today about your spiritual identity. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted what he did on the cross for you, and you believe that he judged sin and that God accepted that, then God sees you as righteous. If you're righteous, you're not going to face condemnation. You're free from guilt. You're free from fear. You're free from shame. You're free, free from condemnation. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the good news for today. Father, as we bow before you today, we thank you for the good news of your love and mercy for us that you would send Jesus Christ to be our sin bearer and that through him you would judge our sin so that we would not be guilty in your sight. But I, as I pray, I'm sure that there are many here today who've been struggling against uh, powerful forces in their lives. Many who want to be free from destructive things, evil temper, a critical judgmental spirit, a defensive attitude, selfishness, lust, sexual desires, all those things that are hurtful and wrong. So, Lord, I thank you that we have a way out through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we're not condemned for these, but that Jesus condemned all of this for us. And what a difference that makes in our life. Help us to believe and act in that way. Help us to claim our identity as people set free through Jesus Christ, and that we live free from any condemnation. Thank you for that, Father. We love you for that. And we want to live for your glory because of that, that we are free from any condemnation. Father, let that be a, a good word, a good news, a good message for anyone today who needs to be free of that condemnation. If they're ready to make decisions today for your glory, confessing their sin, repenting of that sin, acknowledging Christ as Savior, being a part of this fellowship. Lord, let your Holy Spirit move during this time. We pray in Jesus' name.